I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and today with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reels to 1963. Boris Karloff hosts a trio of horror stories concerning a stalked call girl, a vampire-like monster who preys on his family, and a nurse who is haunted by her ring's faithful owner in Black Sabbath. Let's get into it. Do you believe in ghosts? This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. Starring the incomparable Boris Karloff, the personable Mark Damon, and lush and lovely women. Even though one is from the netherworld, a vampire, a burdelac. Black Sabbath, as ancient a superstition, as modern as the telephone. How nice you look with that towel around you. You always did have a beautiful body. Beautiful. A body to drive someone crazy. Like, who are you? Who? Black Sabbath. The bare truth about the unbelievable, such as the brilliant beauty of a priceless jewel, that holds within the body of a buzzing fly, a vengeful woman's murderous spirit. <coughs> Only on the seventh night of the seventh full moon can the living see the lifeless undead. I am hungry. Is he man? Or vampire? An adventure into black magic that goes beyond the boundaries of the supernatural. And a man's devoted love is welcomed by a woman's deadly lust for his blood. You dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. memory of the name Boris Karloff comes from a beloved Halloween classic. Which one? Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus? When Max is in the school and he's like, I'm your host, Boris Karloff. Ha 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 When the witches are going to get burned in the, uh, the kindling. Or the oh, kin- yeah, okay. that's the old, that was my first introduction to Boris Karloff. And I'm like, who the hell's Boris Karloff? I mean, I was like maybe seven or eight. I think I was eight in 93 when that came out. And I remember my dad looking at me going, you don't know who Boris Karloff is? And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm eight. I'm not cultured. What do you want with me? So yeah, that's the earliest memory I can remember. And then Boris Karloff played Dracula, right? He was the first. No. No. Uh, Bela Lugosi Bela was Dracula. Lugosi. Boris Karloff was Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I've never seen Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. 
Or Bela Lugosi's Dracula. Are you kidding me? No, I've never seen the classics. What the fuck? He acts like he should... He acts surprised every single time, but he should know by now I am an uncultured pig. Well, these are things that, like, even just in passing, you just would see on, like, TNT or something around Halloween. My mom hates Halloween. Oh. And I will... My mother listens to this, and my... And you... And I've said it in her presence. My mom does not like Halloween. It is not her holiday. So growing up as kids, we went out trick-or-treating. That was it. That's all right. We're we're all wrong from time to time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> now that I'm an adult, and I realize, do you have to play with your little jingly ball right now? So, yeah, you're going to likely hear cat sounds in the background. This will probably be a staple from now on, because we finally got the cats to coexist together. Oh my God, they're friends. <laughs> like, we got Vanta. We took Vanta in to foster to adopt on... June 1st, right? I believe it was June 1st. June 1st. And my surgery was a month is was a month later. So we were like, oh God, we gotta get them to kind of like each other. So we did the whole like feeding them through the door, sort of introducing them. We did everything. These two decided to be the most and you know what? Talking about the cats is relevant to the third story. It's fine. It is. Um and Mildly. we tried our hardest to like do the proper route. It wasn't until what two weeks before the surgery I had we bought the playpen. We bought this weird little cat dog playpen that you're supposed to take outside. And we would put each one of them in there. Unfortunately, it's not stable enough to stand on its own. If you put something on the top, it'll collapse. So if we put Vanta in this cute little pillow pen, Autumn would lunge at it and collapse it every time. So Autumn, unfortunately, had to live in it for a couple of weeks. And we finally saw them playing and stuff. But all the rules about don't let them see each other, don't do this, don't do that. It uh, it didn't work with those two. No. We just had to kind of throw them together. And, and now, oh, look at this. So- now they can exist on the ottoman together and not kill each other so far nothing that you're supposed to do has worked with our cats nothing um they're just little assholes and we love them honestly autumn has calmed down so much in two weeks two weeks she's calmed down a lot She's still a little psychopath, but her sister pretty much uh, bitch slaps her back in line. Oh, she caught another fly. Look at that. (laughs) Nice. Good girl. Anyways, so this was my pick because it was on the Grindhouse website. And I was like, Boris Karloff? Ooh. And the picture on the front of this is really intriguing. Yeah, the, the so the version we had... Well, let's start off by saying this week we watched Black Sabbath. As you said in the intro, it uh, originally released in 1963, August 17th, 1963. And this is directed by Mario Bava, who's an infamous Italian horror director. It stars Boris Karloff, Mark Damon, Michelle Mercier, Susie Anderson, Lydia Alfonsi, Glauco Antato, I don't know how to say this name, (laughs) Honorado, and Jacqueline Perot was made on a budget of $205 million. Damn. And it brought in a box office of initially $103.5 million. This was a commercial failure when it originally released in Italy, performed far below expectations in America. It was apparently a spiritual sequel to a film that was made based on the Dunwich Horror. Yeah, I read that. Um, which, I don't know, I don't really see that. I've never seen the Dunwich Horror. But the version that we have, that we watched, is um, it was released by Kino Lorber. It's part of their Kino Classics, the Mario Bava Collection. And if you've ever seen that version, um, it has a really nice painted cover that kind of showcases a little bit from each story. And it's, I mean, picking it off the shelf, is it looks like it's really cool. That's why I picked it. It looked intriguing. Very intriguing. Because when I picked all of this stuff off the Grindhouse website, I didn't read anything until I wrote, not wrote, but I put together the intro. And I put together the intro right before we watched the movie. So I know nothing until we go into the movie or... If he picks the movie, I don't know anything until we watch the movie. Yes. We actually learned last at the end of last week's episode that this was an anthology film. And for those of you who are wondering, I don't know what an anthology is. Sean, what's an anthology? So, 
an anthology film is basically a single, you know, hour and a half to two hour movie that's made up of various small short stories. So if you think of it from a filmmaking perspective, it's essentially three short films that are wrapped together, usually by another fourth overarching story that kind of brings it all together. So the one that I can think of now is Trick or Treat. Yes, exactly. Trick or Treat is a very solid modern example of an anthology film. And I finally saw Trick or Treat a couple years ago. And let me tell you, I love Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is honestly one of my favorite anthology films. I just love the way it perfectly weaves all the stories together into one cohesive narrative. Mm. Most anthology films are not that well put together. Generally, you have three separate three or four separate short stories that are just very loosely tied together by like another story that is you'll have a character in that story who's telling these stories Mm. it's not super well wrapped up it's always just hey i'm telling you these stories trick or treat is like a whole different ball game like most anthologies you see coming out now try to do what that movie does because that was really well conceived this one is a very early example of anthology, and it doesn't quite do that. It, you can see it tried. It had like it had like a spooky horror that it tried to be. Tried emphasis on tried. If these were three separate movies, might have been better. Yes, I agree. This one it opens with this intro by Boris Karloff, where it's very Twilight Zone esque. Yeah. And it's got like colorful theatrical lighting and he's standing on like this weird like spooky like smoky set kind of thing and he's wearing a suit I believe. Yeah, he didn't have any makeup on. I mean, I read that Boris Karloff died a few years after this. Yeah, this of pneumonia. Was... So this is like one of the final things he did. That's why when I saw the thing and I went Boris Karloff, I'm like, that's not what he looks like. But then again, He was, like, in his 80s in this movie. Yeah. This was later in his life, uh, which also explains his, like, more limited means. Like, they didn't use him to full effect, probably because they couldn't. Yeah, but I will say, he was one of the better actors in this movie. Oh, for sure. 100%. 100%. This version of the movie, I don't know if there's others that aren't like this, but is in the original Italian with English subs. There's no dubbing so option. So it's a really kind of... It's a poor man's giallo to me. Uh, because I saw people speaking English. I You could physically see Susie Anderson was in the second one. She was the blonde. She was speaking English. So what you're re- referring to is like the, the way that the movie is made. It's how Italian cinema was made yes. at that time. I wouldn't at all consider this a giallo film. No, but it it ta- it pulls elements. There's an element there. Yeah. There is, oh, we'll just take this element of it, like, oh, this is going to be an Italian film released in Italian. We're not going to use Italian actors. We're going to use all sorts. I mean, I saw somebody, I think it was Spanish. I, I saw, like, hola at one point. It mouthed, and I saw hello, and then... One of the guys seemed like he actually was a Russian actor because I couldn't read his lips. I was like, this is weird. So I'm thinking that is the only aspect at all. Like, oh, this is an easier way to do it. Everybody can speak their own language and we'll just dub it with the language later. Yeah. And I mean, I've gotten used to that style of filmmaking from watching so many Italian films. To some degree, I don't even notice it anymore. I like it. I think it's like, okay, you've got these actors who, if they don't know a lick of English, it's like you speak in your own native language, you bounce off the person, you have your script, you know what they're going to say. They have their script, they know what they're, you're supposed to say. You know the words, just it's in a different language, that's all. And I think that's convenient at times. Instead of forcing, oh, we want this Irish actor, we want this Italian, or we want this German actress, but you have to speak English, so they have to learn English. It's like, let them speak their own language. Yeah, I honestly I think it gives the actors a little more freedom to put more into their performance if they don't have to worry about speaking a language that's not their native tongue. Yeah. It shines through a little bit in this movie, at least with Boris on Boris Karloff's end. Some of the other actors 
don't do as well, but some of them carry their own. I th- I think at least there's no real wraparound story in this anthology. They don't really connect. All they are are horror stories. That's the only thing that connects them is there's an element of there's elements of horror in them. That's it. Yeah, there's our intro with Boris Karloff, and then there is a small outro which we'll discuss later. <laughs> which had me laughing. <laughs> it is it's pretty cool. Thank you. But that the lack of wraparound story kind of makes this one feel very disjointed mm. compared to most anthology movies it's kind of like you're just watching you're just putting on three short films back to back we're putting on one of those really cheap uh uh, sci-fi channel back to back shitty movies yeah it's kind of like that we don't want to insult this movie it's better than sci-fi channel's original content yeah for sure i've seen sharknado (laughs) (laughs) that shit was dumb (laughs) and uh like most anthologies each of these stories ends in tragedy yeah There are no happy endings. So our three stories in question are The Telephone, The Wordlack, and The Drop of Water. Um, We start off with The Telephone. This one follows a woman receiving mysterious phone calls and from someone on the other line who's promising her harm. So I read the synopsis for these. I think we're going to do this one a little bit different. I'm going to read through the basic synopsis. So The Telephone is about a woman named Rosie. Who, you, who is a French call girl. She comes home and she receives a series of very mysterious phone calls. Eventually, this person identifies himself as Frank, who is her former pimp, who has escaped from prison. Rosie testified against him. This, Yeah, this is the this is the Ital- original Italian version. I didn't get any of this. No, you don't. <laughs> um, Rosie is the reason why he went to prison. She, t- she um, testified against him. Come to find out that when Mary phones a friend, uh, when Rosie phones her friend Mary to say, help me, Frank's trying to get me, Mary comes over, c- comforts her, just kind of, like, I'm here. You find out that they're estranged. Something happened and they're not friends anymore. Later at one point, it becomes a, you become aware that Mary is the person who's been calling her, who's been faking the calls just to scare her because she missed her and she wanted to scare her to become friends. Well, Frank actually was stalking her and Frank breaks into the house after the two girls go to sleep. Mary's writing a confession. Frank strangles Mary, not Rosie. Rosie ends up killing Frank. The end. And apparently Rosie breaks down in hysteria and goes crazy. Now, we got half of this we didn't even get from this this film. From what I thought, it was a very professional woman coming home after an event. It looked like maybe a ball or something. That's what I thought. And she was being stalked. I really just thought she was just being stalked by a crazy person. Well, so I tried to, like with most movies, I tried to just take in what I saw, what information I was given, and just build out the story in my head. So I kind of assumed that this was woman's coming home, and as we're learning things throughout the movie, I I kind of thought, oh, so Frank was like a former lover. That's what I thought. Um, It's like a former boyfriend or former husband or something, and she did something, or, you know, he went to prison for something, and he's just... When I heard when I heard him say I want revenge, I'm like, ooh, what'd she do? Is it a jilted lover? That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And the the woman Mary, like, you learn that something happened between them, but you don't really know what. Yeah. Like, was there maybe a love triangle thing going on? I thought on? maybe Mary this is what I honestly thought. I thought Mary was Frank's wife and Rosie got in between them. That's what I thought at one point. It's not a bad not bad uh thing to take away. No. It's kind of interesting. But then, after reading that, I went, she's a fucking prostitute? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get that at all. But, however, I did take away a lot of visual things from this one. This was beautiful. The way the set was designed, the costumes, this was gorgeous. They they actually make the the phone itself is, like, almost presented like a character. So it's, it's painted bright red, which to me immediately signified like this is the source of the danger. Yeah, danger. And the whole apartment was cherubs, angelic, like gold and pastel tones. Even like after she came home, she had a black dress on. She changed into very flowy, beautiful robes and nightgowns. And the apartment was pretty and heavenly. And then the lighting changed and it became more sinister. They used lighting. 
I mean, it's 19, it's the 1960s, but they used the lighting to their advantage in all three. Yes. And I was actually, I really liked the lighting in this very, very much. Accents of red also carry beyond just the phone too, which I started to notice that it's worked in throughout the apartment. The stairs. It emphasizes various danger zones. Yeah. So like the red carpet leading to the front door is like, oh, that's a possible entry point for danger. And then the red carpet leading from the other back room, too, where the other yep. door was. Oh, shit. And then there's there's the where we first see Mary, her character's doodling with red ink. And there's red accents in her apartment, signifying that maybe she's involved with where the danger's coming from, which she is, in a way. And the scarf she covers the phone with when she talks was red. Yep. Holy shit. I did not notice that. A lot of little elements. I was like, oh, red is always a danger color. It's always a. It's always the sort like an evil color. (laughs) Dun dun dun. (laughs) In true Italian style, this one starts with our protagonist. She starts receiving these phone calls as she undresses and she changes into the sheer nighty. No, no, no. She gets naked and takes a shower. She's holding the towel very, in very discreet. I loved how they it, covered, like, they didn't cover this part and then her leg, and I'm like, ooh, the it, 60s. It emphasizes the female form and yes. all of its beauty. The, <sighs> the camera movement in this one is very smooth and elegant. Um, it follows our protagonist as she moves around the home. And Bava also uses heightened angles to make her feel small in the frame. So, like, the camera will be above her looking down. Mm. Or, like, it makes her feel... Like powerless, and he also has a lot of curtains hanging in this apartment, and like like these sheer draperies, and it kind of, to me at least, it made her feel almost imprisoned in her in her home. And it was underground too. It was underground, and the front door is like it's large and metal, and it has like various locks, so it feels like a cell door. Yeah, this was a very. I feel this was a very meaningful movie. Like there was a lot of there's a lot of meaning in the design of it. You can see why it was a commercial failure because the people that went to see it were looking for a scare. They were looking for a cohesive scare. They weren't looking at the actual beauty and the actual thought that was put into in these three movies. How'd you feel about her performance in this one? Rosie's? Yeah. I think she could she could have pushed it a little bit more. I feel like she was doing a good job at the she's getting scared, but it never went over the peak. It never got too terrified for me with her. Mary, I feel like could have definitely pushed it more. She could have definitely been crazier. She just seemed honestly, she seemed like a jealous ex. Yeah, that's all it seemed like. And I wish Rosie would have pushed herself a little more. See, I felt like Rosie did a pretty good job. Like, considering that for the first half, she's carrying the whole narrative by herself, like, just getting scared from phone calls. Like, I thought it was pretty solid for a 60s Italian movie. Where it fell apart was the strangulation scene. When she's just, like, sitting in the bed, like... Well, oh, it was just oh no! It was completely unbelievable. When whenever they did it, strangulation scenes in those older movies, they're always super cheesy and they never sell it well. One, you sh- this dude is strangling Mary. Frank is strangling Mary with a pair of stockings that you can easily go oop. And at one point, you saw her hand go under and pull it away, but she's still going. Ah, ah, ah. It's like yeah. It's like, lady, you're not being strangled anymore. But that pretty much brings us to our second story, the Wordalac. So, the Wordalac. Here's the synopsis for the Wordalac. It is set in 19th century Russia with a young nobleman who finds a beheaded corpse with a knife plunged through its heart. He takes the blade, goes to a small cottage. There he's approached by Gregorio, who explains that the knife belongs to his father. Gregorio offers him a room. Um, and they live there with his wife, young son, Ivan, or they called him Ivan the whole time. Um, Gregorio's younger brother, Pietro, <laughs> Pietro, <laughs> and sister, Sednak, Snaka, S-D-E-N-K-A. We're going to call her, we're going to call her the blonde one. The father told his kids, if I do not return in exactly five days, don't open the door and kill me. Obviously, they don't fucking listen. 
The father returns, looking like a fucking shambling corpse with a wound in his heart. <laughs> and then ensues uh, him attacking Pietro, Ivan, and then Ivan's mother, and then Gregorio. But at the same time, the nobleman and the blonde lady fall in love. Twelve hours. All of a sudden, they're in love. Times were so simple, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, this... If she just had Tinder or plenty of fish, she would have found somebody better. Just saying. They fall in love. They run away. Ivan returns from the dead, comes back, calls for his mom. All this shit happens. And then the grandfather, Gregorio, the mom, and Ivan hunt down the blonde lady, bring her back. And this is the synopsis that, and you're going to laugh, Vladimir, who's the nobleman, awakens and searches for blonde lady finding her lying motionless in her bed at home. Was she motionless? She moved a little. Yeah, I don't remember. Blonde lady awakens, and upon receiving Vladimir's embrace, she bites him on the neck. Yeah. So, the story was a little more complicated than that, in my opinion. Yeah, this one... So, this definitely, I think, was the longest of the three. It was the longest. It was the better of the three. But the acting wasn't where I wanted it to be. No. Boris did a great job. The nobleman, I literally wanted to be like, can you can you make it seem like you're in danger? The kid was literally a kid that were like, here. I, I, I thought the child was unnecessary in the story. Yeah. They could have done it with just the two women and the two men. Boris Karloff definitely steals the show of this one. He's delivering a very overdramatic performance and everybody else feels just wooden. They didn't have a ton to do. Yeah. He looked like he was having fun with it. Oh, my God. He looked like every time he... So, obviously, it's not Boris's voice that's coming out of it. It's somebody who dubbed an Italian. But when he turns around and goes, why will no one embrace me? Like, you can still feel Boris's, like, yeah. booming, like, I'm your father, goddammit. And I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> like, that's not your real voice, but I can still feel it. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't see a point to the younger brother being there at all. I really don't. I think it should have been more about the fear of the women because they said that the Woldalak preys on preys on people he loves the most. So I think he should have preyed on the daughters first, then got after the son. That's what I think. The Wordalak. Mm. Essentially the the story is about vampires. Yeah. However, I didn't know that going in, even though, you know, the back of the box actually describes this one as uh, a vampire hunter whose family is stalked by a wandering spirit of an undead ghoul. I mean, this here, I clicked on Woldalek on Wikipedia, and it's a Slavic folklore myth mythology. Term this a Russian vampire that must consume blood of its loved ones and convert its whole family. So its only point was to convert its family into vampires. See, that's kind of cool. That's cool. This, like, where where was this thing? This literally said somewhere, oh, the synopsis that I read. Vampire-like monster that preys on its family. But I read somewhere that it said it was a shambling ghoul. I was like, that wasn't a shambling yeah. ghoul. He had all of his faculties. I mean... To be perfectly honest, when this story started go, started moving, I, it felt much. It gave me much more werewolf vibes than anything else. It really did, but maybe that's just what the Slavic folklore is. Like it's more like those two stories are more entangled together with the feeling of it. Yeah, yes. Like here in America, we have vampires, werewolves, and they're very two separate things. But like over there, and like other countries like old european countries it's completely different look at vamp um dracula vlad the impaler like that's one hell of a story we've already covered vlad the impaler with bram stoker's dracula which i think is the most unrealistic dracula (laughs) because it's so romanticized that one's super theatrical yes yeah, it's... Well, it was... Who, who directed that one? That was Francis Ford Coppola, right? Yeah, that was Coppola's Dracula. Yeah, well, Coppola's stuck-up prick. And I'm sticking <laughs> by my story. I honestly... I thought this movie was going to go a different way. Like, this story. Um, I thought it was going to... There's a shot early on where the protagonist and the, the blonde lady are in, like, the bedroom. And he's standing in front of a mirror and they're having a conversation. I thought her reflection wouldn't show up. No... Not even that. Like, I thought, because where he's standing, 
there's a big crack in the mirror. And I was, okay. the, I thought they were foreshadowing that he hit like his, ver- he had a broken reverse side. Like he was going to be, turn out to be the bad guy. He was going to turn I out to be the monster. I was hoping that. I think in my notes, I said that. What did I say? I was oh, like, oh, that's going to be cool When we get to the, um, the convent and they walk into the room and they see the corpse. I'm like, tell me that skeleton is the real count. Please tell me that that's his bones and you sucked him dry and you're not the count you took on his identity. That would have been cool. Yeah, they just didn't do that. I mean, they kept these stories very, very basic, but I don't know. The, yeah, there's potential. Uh they use the same fake werewolf howls again and again. But it's supposed to be a dog. Like, it's his favorite yeah, dog. which you never see it. Like, And it's very clear. And it's on a loop track, like, every yeah. couple of seconds. It's like, oh my god, that's annoying. It's very clearly, like, a person faking a dog ow, ow, ow. bark, and it's awful. <laughs> and then you hear, burf, burf, burf. I'm like, aw. Oh, they killed it. What's wrong with you? This one, if I'm honest, didn't grab my interest like I hoped. So I've been, I, so during this recovery, I take a medication where it makes me really drowsy. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm almost done with this medication because I'm tired of sleeping like two or three times a day. Um, and I was fighting this medication because this, the first story grabbed me. I was awake. The second one, I was literally doing these like, <laughs> no, don't do the head bobs. Don't. But by the end of it, it's starting to get a little more intriguing because I thought there would be a big twist. I really wanted the grandfather to not be the one taking them. The grandfather was trying to protect them. Yeah. And like somebody else, like I was thinking that the nobleman was taking everybody. But then I remembered, oh, well, how can it be the nobleman when they said the thing comes back and takes its loved ones? Yeah. And I'm like, I really want a twist. Please give me a twist. And it didn't. And I was very disappointed. This one, uh, it does. It has some strong visual moments. Yes. Uh, I like the the moment where the the boy is calling for his mother outside the door. Mama. That was I'm a cool. Cold. Reminds me of an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Yeah. Where the kid who from the um who got stuck in the the tree trunk. I'm cold. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, why is that the memory coming back to me from when I was a kid? There's something wrong with me. All I remember is horror stuff. <laughs> That fucking blonde woman, she, she reminded me a lot of Vampira with those sharp fucking eyebrows. Oh my god. <laughs> like, Maria, that was the, 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 the wife. Maria seemed pretty cool. But again, why would he kill Maria? She's not blood family. She's still family, though. I, honestly, I think it, it should have been lineage or blood-wise where he would not have killed her, but, like, I don't know. Well, the same question goes for the the protagonist, the nobleman. Like, he basically had to say that he loved her unconditionally before she could bite him. Like, so then he was basically family. Does that mean I get to bite you? No. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm not going to become a vampire. No, you're going to become a blood-sucking leech. <clears throat> Yay, leech. <laughs> 
But yeah, we, we're moving on to story three now. And um, story three is... The Drop of Water. So, the plot of this one, if I can show you, is super small. Oh boy. Yep. In 1910 London, a nurse named Helen is called by the maid of an elderly medium to prepare the body for burial. Unfortunately, the lady died of a heart attack. As she dresses the body, she notices a sapphire uh, ring on her finger. Chester steals it, accidentally tripping a glass of water that drips. Then she is assailed by a fly. A-S-S-A-I-L-E-D. Assailed? Like assailant? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Literally, it lands on her and she freaks out. Um, Chester takes the home, the ring home, where she witnesses strange events. The fly pesters her. The lights go on and off in her apartment. She hears sounds of dripping water. She finds the woman's corpse on her bed. It starts to rise and float to her. She begs her forgiveness, but ultimately she strangles herself. I guess her neighbor finds the body and the next morning calls the police. They examine her to find a bruise where the ring used to be. And the doctor says, huh, the ring was ripped. It looks like there was something ripped off of her finger. Her finger's very bruised. The woman who called the police looks very suspicious. And then all of a sudden she can hear drops of water. That's it. That's the synopsis. Just a random thing I want to mention. This movie, uh, this story in the film is called The Drop of Water. On the back of this box, yeah. it's called A Drop of Water. I mean... <laughs> it's a small thing, small but Small detail, but A Drop of Water sounds better than The Drop of Water. It kind of does. Now, this one, I hate to say bored me. This one should have been first. Okay. I think this one should have been first, the telephone should have been second, and then the Waldo Act should have been third. To make sense for the way it closed. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Because this one wasn't as good, but I feel like it would have connected a little more. Like, okay, something spooky, something. And I wish that they would have connected something. Like, what if that ring showed up again, just in the second of the telephone, as one of the pieces of, of jewelry that she stashes under the couch? Well, yeah, these are things that, like, in hindsight, would have made it flow better. Just but. for it to connect. Not even like the stories are like connected. Just like, oh, wait, is that the ring from, oh, whoa, why is the ring there? And it just makes you wonder. And for the Woldalak story, I wish that maybe the ring was there because it was an earlier, like, oh, the old guy's wearing the ring. Just connect it somehow. That would have yeah. been simple, but just a stupid simple. This one was boring kind of eh what were the point of the 500 cats all over this mansion i don't know we it, <laughs> it starts and you and all you hear sean go kitty another kitty lots of kitties like so many kitties and it was the same meow 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 the whole time yeah. and i'm like why are there so many cats this one this last one had it moves back into a more colorful palette. It has some cool lighting. I really liked the like the neon sign glowing through the windows. I don't know if that was a neon sign because it's supposed to be 1910. Well, it was the the blinking sign, whatever it was. I thought it was their attempt at lightning. Oh no, no, because no. they they show you the establishing shot first, mm. and the building has like a big flashing sign on it. Okay, all right. So it's whatever that is, and it's green, that green sign, and it looked really cool, like, and it pays off towards the end when yeah. shit starts to hit the fan. When we see the, the dead corpse lady, she's got this, like, disgusted terror face that's, like, frozen there, and it's... Her, picture this, like, if you sit there and you're, like, if you've ever sat there and gone, ooh, like that, like, your face goes, ooh. Now turn it into smiling. Yeah. And then open your eyes wide. That's what she looked like. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking weird. And it was, you could tell it was a, like a skeleton with, they had clay, like some sort of like clay or, or something on top of it. And I was just laughing at it. I was like, this is so unbelievable. Well, it was like a mask. Like it was like a fake face that yeah. they put on. Yeah. I thought the I thought the the way they introduced the curse is kind of cool. Like the starts with the drops of water, and then like all these other elements the that fly she heard shows in up, the house. She can hear little things. Yeah, like that that was pretty cool. Um, our protagonist in this is very is like this sleazy nurse, so she's not. I I, I thought of her more of like she's like back in the 1910s. She's just poor. 
she yeah. saw an opportunity and she took it and it's like well it it bit you in the ass don't don't yeah. take some like she even warned her like oh she's doing a lot of seances she was seeing a lot of things she was very haunted it's like why would you want to take the lady that just died from haunting don't touch her stuff leave it there just, right. just dress her and leave <laughs> like i personally liked i personally like the uh the how it shifts into this like haunted house ghost thing at the yeah. end and I liked the the corpse of the lady showing up and it's like moving around the house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty creepy. Shambling corpse. <laughs> I liked it, especially with like the way the lighting was at the end. Like, mm-hmm. it, it looked really cool. It was memorable. That was basically our three stories. Yeah, I mean, this one's not a long one because this these stories, while good. Yeah, you look at the thing, it's we're only halfway yeah, through the track. We're a little bit a little bit light on time on this one. But this one more or less was not disappointing, but it was nice to see what like this is sixty something years ago. Almost yeah, almost sixty years ago. And it's really nice to see what their interpretation of horror is. Like this was probably frightening to people back then. Very frightening. Yeah. But to us we're like, ooh. Spooky, like <laughs> I appreciate it. I like it. I'm glad we have this because it's kind of cool. This is definitely something that you can put on in the background of like if you're having a Halloween party or something. Put this on the background. This will be pretty cool to have like these weird little stories playing in the back. But yeah. it could have been better. Um, so I guess we're shifting into closing questions. Yeah. Although I think closing questions might be longer than usual now. Yeah, that's true. Actually, one thing we can mention before we get into the the wrap-up questions here is how the film ends. Oh, God, yes. So we we cut back from this last story to Boris Karloff from the... The Wonderlack. Yeah, the Wonderlack story. And he's riding on his horse and... Through Through the forest. Through the forest. And he's dramatically lit. And then all of a sudden he looks to the camera and he starts giving us our like closing spiel. Mm. Like, ah, these were the These are the three terrifying stories for our our show. And I'm like, okay. And then it pulls out farther and farther and it's literally you can see the whole production where these guys are just running in front of a camera with tree branches. He's on a fake horse that somebody's like doing this in the back of it like come on horsey and I'm laughing going oh and there's the element of horror just whoop, gone I fucking loved that that was so funny I not even for the comical aspect I just loved that like that little it, behind the scene thing the second it started to the camera started to pull back I was like oh my god are they gonna reveal the set and then they did and I was like yes that was, it was exactly so what I simple. wanted it's a light with a, a shade on it of clouds just spinning for the lighting it's those guys running with the tree branches and then it's Boris on a fake horse with a dude just just like like, yeah, like rattling it, it from gallop. behind yep and then it's the camera on a, on a tilted angle up looking at Boris and you see like the production guy standing around and I'm like oh my god this is great. It was there perfect. Is, there's no, like, handheld technology or tech bullshit. It is literally... <laughs> the graphic design is literally six guys running in front of the camera with tree branches. I'm like, this is beautiful. I love this. Oh, perfect way to close out this <laughs> oh film. Oh, my God, yes. All right. So, closing questions. Yes. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about. No. No, let's get into it. Huh. I'm actually going to add in an extra one at the beginning here. Ooh, okay. Which story did you like the most? I like the telephone the most. I think it had the most potential to be a lot more terrifying because it's a real-life scenario. It's not a ghost or a ghoul or a a haunting. It is a real-life scenario of being stalked, being treated like prey. That's why I liked it more. What about you? I'm going to wholeheartedly agree. That was my favorite one. I do have to put the the drop of water a pretty close second to that though. Really? I I quite enjoyed that one stylistically. Hmm. Telephone was just way there was way more thought put into that one. It was a really solid movie. Mm-hmm. Like on its own, I'd love to see that a feature version of just that. Yeah. Overall thoughts on the film? It wasn't the greatest, but I am also a child born in the eighties. 
I think I'm 30 or 40 years too young for what this movie was focusing on. Like it was simple horror, which in the early 60s, this this was very scary. But, you know, at least we can relate to one of them, which is telephone. Like that's terrifying in any sense. Somebody stalking you as prey or somebody threatening to kill you. That's that's absolutely terrifying. What about you, sweetie? Ultimately, I think this was a not one of my favorites when it comes to anthology films or anything or mm. movies in general. I think it had some good moments. I think it's a solid Boris Karloff performance. It's not something I'd probably watch again just on a whim. Mm. Like I'd have to be very much in the mood for something like this. Visually, it's good. I think the stories, each of them in their own way, could have used more meat. They could have been better worked. Yeah. But uh, if you're into classics, I think this is definitely one that should be seen at some point. Yeah. It, it's enjoyable for what it is. Did you have any favorites? I didn't really have any favorite lines. I love the costuming. I thought the costuming was beautiful. I thought the set design for the telephone was beautiful. I really just liked that one all around. I did like how the woman who played the nurse in A Drop of Water she was actually portraying a terrified woman, like scared out of her mind of this. But you can also tell like she was a very God-fearing woman, so it makes kind of sense. Yeah, no no like favorite lines or favorite scenes. I'd say just overall the telephone. For me, the early moments of the telephone were probably my favorite part of the entire anthology. Mm. Just the, it was done at a slow pace. It had great camera work and lighting. The color was used meaningfully and effectively. Those early moments really like grabbed me. Mm. Uh, I love in Wardalac, there was uh, one shot. It's very similar to that closing shot, but where Boris Karloff is riding off with the child oh, yeah. on the horse. And it, there's very clearly a spotlight just on his face, and he's just like crazy and wild. <laughs> Reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever been on the Haunted Mansion ride, where they just illuminate certain things. Yeah, draw your attention. Oh my god, and I laugh and I'm like, there it is, I see the light. (laughs) That's what it reminds me of. Um, And I love the the entire climax of... um a drop of water where like the ghost corpse is like popping up all over the house and scaring the shit out of her mm. and as I said I fucking love that ending pullback reveal of the set like that was so fun fucking genius does it work as an anthology no they didn't they laid out one two three but they didn't connect it but then again it's an early work so maybe a lot of future anthologies took this as a blueprint of what not to do. Like, okay, people didn't really connect with this, so maybe if we connect them, audience will feel better about the story. I think each individual story worked. I think they should have been fleshed out into their own, like, sort of short movies or short stories kind of thing. I'm not saying, like, it didn't work at all, but it it could have been... It could have had more meat, like you said. It could have been reworked to be a little something like nowadays you can have anthologies that are like two or three hours yeah they could have reworked this made it made it longer made it better i agree i i think as an anthology it works but a wraparound story would have made it work better Mm. and i think that i think that as a movie like each of the stories they all work on their own they could all be better but i think it does work yeah for what it is would you recommend it yeah i would recommend this i like this i think this is a good this is a good party watch movie like you get together with your friends you've got like uh, a couple of hours put this in there that might be enjoy this might be enjoyable with friends i i really see this as like a a watch party kind of movie like an Elvira kind of thing, like an MSTK 3000 kind of thing. Like, you have fun with this. This is really good. Yeah, I, I think definitely in the right setting with the right people, this could be a fun one to watch. I, I would recommend it for something like that. I would recommend it to people who just love classic cinema yeah. or Italian cinema. You're going to get something out of this. Um, if you're a Boris Karloff fan, definitely oh, watch yeah. this gives a great performance as always even in his older years Mm -hmm. how would you make this today kind of like an american horror story i break it up into 
a season of individual stories, connect them all together more. I was thinking about this a little bit more where American Horror Stories, I haven't watched them, but now they have American Horror Stories. It's not American Horror Story. They're anthology stories now connected, which Isn't I haven't touched. each episode of that a different story? Yes. Rather than each season? Yes. Which, uh, and then at the end, they, they connect. I don't know. I haven't seen. The last thing I think I watched was Apocalypse. No, we watched uh, the Summer Camp one, 1984. Yeah. Which was great. And I love the fact that American Horror Story is an anthology itself, and then a lot of them do connect. Certain ones don't, but a lot of them do. And I think these would be great with that, but I feel like elements have already been done. But I see it working more as a a series, an anthology kind of series. Not as a movie. I feel like anthology movies, they're really hard to do. Really hard. Yeah. Um... They definitely are. You have to have stories that kind of go together. Yeah. None of these really do. No. I can definitely see in this one that, like, they this is probably something along with many others that, like, inspired somebody like James Wan. Yeah. Like, with his Insidious and Conjuring movies and stuff like that. And even um, Dead Silence. Like... I don't know that one. That's, like, one of his earliest ones. Mm. Um, But... You could definitely see, like, the types of filmmakers that probably drew inspiration from stuff like this. Mm. And, I don't know, like, I don't think that this movie in particular should be made today. Like, I don't think it should be made again. I I think it's fine for what it is, and it doesn't really... None of the stories really have anything that you could do better Mm. in it now, or, like, that pertain to now. They're all very old world type of things, and like now, if you tried to do the telephone, it would ju- it would be like a Skype call or some shit. And they've already made those. Yeah, they've made those a hundred yeah. times, and they're all shit. So <laughs> I, I don't know. There was one you watched a while ago that was actually really good. That had to do with us. Oh, um, oh, I forget. It was like a smaller movie. I think it was on Shudder. I think I know which one you're talking about, and I can't remember the name of it yeah, right it now. Yeah, the, it was the girl. There were bigger bottles involved, and, like, a friend came over. Like, yeah, it was more or less like a para- paranormal activity kind of thing. Yeah. It was really good, but it was all Skype call or Zoom call kind which, of thing. That can work, but it's very rare that it actually works. I think it works now because we've lived through a world where Skype and Zoom was the only way to connect. Yeah. So it's very terrifying to think that, but... So I guess that brings us to the the big final question. Is this mainstream exploitation or other? I'm going to say other. I'm very surprised this was on the Grindhouse website because it's not technically Grindhouse, in my opinion. Like, if they would have emphasized that the first girl was a call girl or a prostitute, I may have drifted it into Grindhouse. But I'm drifting it into other because they don't explain a lot of the stuff. They should have pointed out certain things a little more. I'm going to say other. I'm basically going to agree. This, for me, definitely falls into other. However, I would like to explain that Grindhouse doesn't necessarily just mean exploitation. Like, this isn't an exploitation film, but it is something that would have played in Grindhouses. Is it because it was a failure? No, not necessarily. It's just this was an older film, and smaller, shitty theaters like Grindhouses would have been able to get their hands on these older horror films. So, like, they would have played stuff like um house on haunted hill and things okay. of that nature in a grindhouse so just keep that in mind true but this was a mainstream release at the time so that's what Somewhat. i'm basing it off of where it was put in theaters and released not just in grindhouse theaters but it was put in major film theaters house on haunted hill was a major film release yeah. but it would have still made it in there that's why i can't say mainstream or, or grindhouse i think other to where in the definition of it right now, this is other. But in the definition back then, it would have been Grindhouse. I mean, I would still consider it... It's a Grindhouse film, it's just not an exploitation film. Okay. There's there's a difference. Exploitation is a whole different All right, so world. I'm calling it Baby Grindhouse. It's Baby Grindhouse, Grindhouse. Light. 
Grindhouse Light. Grindhouse Fat Free. Decaf Grindhouse. Decaf Grindhouse. <laughs> what? Why didn't we think of this? <laughs> it's either full fucking Death Wish coffee caffeinated or it's shitty Dunkin' Donuts decaf that sewage water would taste better. <laughs> no offense, donkeys. You suck. All right. I just made all of the New Englanders mad. Watch. <laughs> you bitch. Did you have any other things you would like to talk about with this film? No, I think uh, I think I've pretty much covered it. I really, really did enjoy the telephone. I really did. Like it's sticking with me. Like I keep replaying that one in my head. I wish the other two were as good. That one, that one to me could have been the standalone of this whole freaking film. I would. Uh, I would oh, like to. I do have one comment. Why is it called Black Sabbath? Wasn't Sabbath the word for Sunday? Yes. So why is it called Black Sunday? Probably just sounded good. Like, the title of it is Black Sabbath. I really wanted blood, guts, of bat being stabbed, Boris Karloff, like, murdering somebody brutally. It was very light. I would like to close this with some fun facts. Yay! Fun facts. Because I just realized we hadn't, we didn't do anything. I know, I this. just realized, like, why did it go Black Sabbath? So... As you can probably guess, this film served as inspiration for the naming of the heavy metal band Black Sabbath. How? Um, in 1968, the band, then called Earth, was playing a small club in Birmingham. Um, across the street was a movie theater showing the film Black Sabbath. The band noticed that more people were in line to see that movie than to see the band. So, realizing that horror sells tickets, they decided to change the name to Black Sabbath. Oh, fuck. Interesting. Um, this is the only film in which horror icon Boris Karloff plays a vampire. Yeah, okay. The segment, The Telephone, was the first Italian thriller shot in color. Okay. There were apparently additional scenes filmed with Boris Karloff, which introduced like that introduced each segment, each story. However, uh, API or AIP rather decided that they weren't necessary and they cut them out. I think that would have made it a little more streamlined than he was introducing them. Yeah, I agree. The segment, the telephone, is one of the earliest examples of Giallo. Which it kind of is. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Because the giallo wasn't popularized until Argento made Bird with a Crystal Plumage. Which we have not gotten to yet. If you look back at Wardalak. Yep. Apparently Boris Boris Karloff almost never blinks throughout that whole segment. Which that's kind of cool. That's weird. And to answer your question... The film's title is an homage to Black Sunday, ba- uh, Mario Bava's previous film made for AIP. So there, there is another movie called Black Sunday. So he was homaging himself. Oh, a little conceited, don't you think? It's a little conceited. <laughs> why, why would you homage yourself to something that, you know... I don't know, Black Sabbath sounds so cool. It really does. And this movie was... And last but not least, the film's alternate Italian title, which I'm not going to try and say in Italian. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. But the alternate title is Three Faces of Fear. Come on, that would have been better. Yes. That would have connected them. Three Faces of Fear. Each main character faced a fear. Yep. Oh my god, come on. That's better. It's far better. Uh, who the hell is this man and can I punch him? Oh no, he's real dead. He's been dead since before I was born. Oh, bonus fun fact. Quentin Tarantino cites this as one of his biggest influences. Really, Quentin? There was no feet in it. I, uh, <laughs> I, could, I could see why it is, though. Literally no feet, so I don't understand why. What? That brings our discussion of Black Sabbath to an end. Kitchink. But don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions.
funeral ceremony is today. Kathleen's dead for seven years. Why do you keep having the same ceremony over and over again? Castle Halloran is a very strange place. The kind of place you'd expect a ghost to like to wander around in. When is haunted? By Kathleen. How did she die? She drowned in the pond. You remember all those years ago? The dreams, faces in the shadows. They're Kathleen stars. One of you has a brilliantly imaginative and sadistic mind. There's something in this house. Tell me what happened. There's some things you don't understand. Not yet. know what people just listen to i have no idea what dementia 13 is so dementia 13 is i'm pretty positive the debut film of francis ford coppola oh not this guy again this guy again oh god he's so pretentious i hate him i have owned this film for a little while i have not seen it you have not seen this film i am very excited to finally watch it so we're both going in as virgins Yes. Oh, man, there's a sacrifice being made today, guys. And yes, we're watching it today, the same day we're doing this one. Because we record in batches. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, this one, this is one that I'm very interested to watch. It's one I've heard about many times, and it's inspired a lot of other movies. So I'm very curious to see this. I, I know it's all in black and white. Okay. And it's Coppola, which should be pretty interesting. It'll probably be better than this movie. Let's hope. I don't want to watch Francis again. We just watched Dracula. That's as far as I go with this. Dracula man. was months ago. It was. It was like one of the first. It was like what February, March. Uh, it was pretty early. It was a long time ago. But then again, I'm making you sit through some shit movies, so you know. Hopefully, this one won't be shit. Hopefully, I mean, we're both going into it blind, so. Oh, the art, though. I love the art. That art looks pretty sick. I love the fucking cover Dude. art. Dude. At least for the we're, the release we're going to be watching is the it's uh, Vestron Videos. Oh, yeah. That's exactly the one I've got. Yeah. It's the director's cut, which I'm very excited to see. All right. Okay. Hi. And this one's not an anthology, so that'll be good. You can watch it almost everywhere for free. Yeah. it's a, I'm pretty sure it's in public domain. Oh, no, maybe not. Coppola's... Yeah, no, his family oh, wouldn't... probably has it. Is Coppola alive or dead? I think he's still alive. I don't think he died yet. Well, he has to be alive because he insulted Marvel. Oh, that's true. No, that was Scorsese. He said it, too. He doesn't like Marvel, either. He doesn't believe it. Francis, if you're still alive, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> Fuck him. Unless you want to give me money, then... Hey, buddy. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Well, that about wraps up this episode. If you want to keep up on everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast, on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah. Yo! All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us, give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to show us some support, you can find all that information down in the show notes as well. Now that we've moved over to Acast, we have some three different tier levels that you can choose. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you, you can get yourself early access to episodes. We'll give you shout outs if you support us. And you can actually, pretty soon, you'll be able to get yourself some bonus content, which... I'm excited for. I hope you are too. We have started recording some bonus content. We started recording some. It's not yet out, but it will be. And uh, I'm hoping to start doing a lot more. Oh, God, yeah. But until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. 
Thanks for listening and keep watching. I forget. What did I used to do all the time? I don't remember. Close it. Close it. Just close it. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns